What an amazing time of worship that was. Oh, just fantastic. Brothers and sisters, sit down if you would. Take your seats and let's open our Bibles. Actually, before we open our Bibles, I would like to hand over to Brother Brian. Brother Brian's going to take announcements. Isn't that right, Brother Brian? Brother Brian has just been triggered to shithouse. That that has just made me freak out, go back 25 years, and I've just picked myself up off the floor. How about giving me some warning next time? You know why I called you Brother Brian and not Pastor Brian? Because I didn't want to confuse people into thinking that you were Pastor Brian from our favourite you know, church beginning with hill and ending in song. So that's why I called you that. But actually, I, I will recognise you as uh, Pastor Brian, the Reverend Dr. Brian. I do, I do like Reverend Doctor. And and we will talk about the other Brian in a minute because the other Brian has been all over the news. Been fucking everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Brian everywhere. Um, it's just been it's been crazy. We we love a Brian. We do love a Brian. Yeah, speaking of that, people probably noticing that I'm calling you by your name and not calling you B. I'll probably go backwards and forwards. Yeah, look, I, I think I will too, because I've got used to it, Troy or T. It's it's the artist formerly known as T. Summer break. We've had a little bit of a break, a couple of months off. It's been pretty awesome. What'd you get up to? I went on holidays with the family, did the beach thing, got tanned the whole bit, didn't catch COVID for the whole summer, which was brilliant. Um, I don't know why, or maybe I did and I was, you know, symptomless, but I doubt it because I know when I do get it, it's going to kick my ass. I just know there's no no good thing going to happen when I get COVID, I tell you. I, I detect a lack of faith there, brother, but, uh, you know, whatever, each to their own. I um, I did a brave and maybe stupid thing and attempted to go overseas, um, went to Fiji. Oh, Bula. No, Bula, Bula Vanaka. I, there is, I've been to Fiji a couple of times and uh, every time I get sick of Bula after about three minutes. But, um, look, it was nice to get away. It was stressful to get there, stressful, stressful to get back with all the COVID testing, blah, blah, blah. Got back, got COVID. I feel very Australian getting COVID this summer. It's uh, it's gone absolutely ballistic here. Yeah, it used to be a thing of shame to say you had COVID. Now it's a bit of a badge of honour. Yeah, I know so many people that, that have had it, but luckily for me, I haven't. But hey, speaking of badges of shame, Hillsong. Fuck me if over the summer I didn't hear nothing but fucking Hillsong. Now, I know there's probably confirmation bias and it's on my radar, but I don't think so. I don't think it's just us. I think the whole of Australia and even even globally perhaps are sick and tired of hearing about Hillsong. Yeah, it's been a crazy time. And, you know, the big news, obviously, is that Brian Houston, as the global pastor, has stepped down. Senior global pastor. Yeah, and, yes. and let's face it, that is a title that I think Jesus would have taken upon himself as senior global messiah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's I, I think it's it's very Jesus like. What what would Jesus do? He would call himself He would call himself senior global messiah pastor. Did you notice as well that they put those other two people in and they were very full on with the title. It's like temporary interim not for very long global senior pastors. Uh, what a shit job, though. Can you imagine being lumped into that at the moment? Such a time of upheaval. But it's been everywhere. It's been all over our Facebook page. There's been a lot of conversation about it. I, I'm i a little bit sick of hearing about Hillsong because they're not, you know, they're a big part of, of what we talk about, but they're not the only thing. They're not the only denomination that uh, burns and destroys people. Yeah, but they are a bit of an easy fucking target, especially at the moment, you know, like there's just... 
so much stuff going on. And look, let's let's hold off on getting into the details about you know what's going to happen, etc. But I do think it's interesting to note that Brian and Bobby. <laughs> B&B. I love those names, right? Brian and Bobby. I mean, they should have been American, but Brian and Bobby have given a speech or a you know a global message. Being global senior pastors, they gave a global senior pastor <laughs> message by video, which is great. It's just brilliant. I mean, do they even know how Jim and Tammy Baker they have become? Do they even <laughs> know, right? But um, they they got up there and gave this this speech, and and then there's this bit, and I'll, I'm going to play it, right? I'm going to play this portion now where you can hear where, where Brian starts to talk about stuff. But it really stuck with me. And that's the other Brian, not you, right? And it really mm. stuck with me, this one line, and, you know, you, you, you'll know it when you hear it. Let's make it a big win. Let's decide that we're going to give our biggest support uh, spiritually, physically, be in the room, be in the house. I uh, can't wait to see our church again filled with incredible people lean in financially and in every other way. That line, uh, I have heard this line from you if less than 100 times, uh, I think I'd be wrong because you have said it. Whenever I've said something to you, you've gone, lean in financially. Yeah, lean in financially. I think that's absolutely brilliant because the whole fucking world is falling down. The man is facing, you know, criminal charges there's all sorts of shit going on and the church is in disarray and he tells them to lean in um but then he says oh and lean in financially as if to say yes everything's going to shit for me i'm facing criminal charges but don't forget to fucking give me your money i just think that is like do they know how bad they look do they know how bad they sound and you know maybe their intention is not whatever but lean in financially for fuck's sake yeah, it was. It's a slap in the face, that's for sure. Um, yeah, look, interesting. You know that little snippet you just played. Certainly, uh, if people want to go and, and hear the whole thing, just Google it. It's there. Like it's there for everybody to see. It goes for I don't know what ten minutes or something like that. So bits of it are triggering. Uh, very triggering. Yeah, when Bobby started to pray, it got a bit much, didn't it? It was just like, oh, I can't do this. Uh, you know, but people would say that's because that's the demons in us. Don't like to hear people <laughs> praying. That's what people would say. And look, it may be true. As a matter of fact, when we were setting up today, we had some technical difficulties, didn't we? And I said, once upon a time, I would have said it was the demons, but now I think it's the angels. <laughs> I, I do think it is. And it was, it's, you know, technology. I mean, I, we spoke about this in the, the demons episode where people talked about demons being on accelerator pedals of cars well one today was in my fucking computer yeah but i think it's i think it's the angels Brian. Yeah. i don't think it's the demons because you're on the other side now <laughs> i think it was gabriel so thank you, you gabriel step no. aside no 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 it wasn't a little gun it was the big gun what's what's that one there's one that's like it's like metatron or something like that it sounds like it that's one of the angels it's a legitimate one it's like metatron or something and it sounds like one of the uh transformers it'll be the next strain of COVID. After Omicron. Metatron. Yeah, Metatron. Omicron. Yeah, Optimus Prime. <laughs> yeah. That was a nasty one. That's the one that came out of um, out of China. So, hey, today we're going to talk about books and we're going to talk about bookshops and that kind of thing. And, and um, while I just lean in financially, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm going to have to say that as many times as I possibly can, all right? Lean in financially. But speaking of leaning in financially, I spent a shitload of money at these bookshops and I know you did too. 
Oh, stupid amounts. I went on payment plans. I remember uh, one of the bookshops in particular, I used to go and I would I was subscribed to different things like commentaries, um, a set of commentaries, and they would be a monthly thing and they would they were expensive like some of them were 150 bucks per book some of them were a bit cheaper 50 60 bucks but thousands of dollars just on a commentary set and just lots and lots of other books lots of music obviously they become the one-stop shop for everything christ-like oh yeah there was music there was uh, you know jesus junk there was you know pictures and 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 there was magazines as well which we're going to talk about but no matter what we had to lean in financially because none of this was free it was not free it was far from it also it was a place that you could go and socialize they had uh, coffee shops in the corner of them quite often and you could grab a bit of food um so they they did become a a little bit of a, a meeting place i mean i haven't been in one for years and years and years. So I'm sure they're still around because I've driven past a couple of them and I wonder if they still have the same pull or are people not as uptight these days about having to have the one-stop Christian shop? I think the thing I guess I want to say more more importantly than anything else is to our international guests, we are going to spend a little bit of time talking specifically about Australian bookshops and Australian chains and that kind of thing. So take this as a moment to, you know, to hear about how it's done in Australia, but I'm sure it's very similar, right? Because you've got those sort of, you know, those shops, you know, in the US that it must be, you know, these Christian bookshops must exist and that's where we got the model from. But the ones that spring to mind are Word, Word Books. Mm-hmm. Kurong, Open Book. I forgot about yeah, it. Yeah, the Open Book, yeah. Um, Scripture Union. Yep. And the Bible Society as well. I don't know if you remember, they used to have their own bookshop too. I do remember them. Was Open, was that um, more like Catholic type bookshop? Um, I think it was, I don't think it was Catholic, but it was more mainline denominations. So, you know, Church of England, Anglican, you know, even Uniting Church. I think that was that was where you went for Open Book. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, I, I mean, I would venture into one of those when I felt like I was being a little bit more daring. Um, I know that there was, there was one attached to a, I'm pretty sure, like a uniting church or something like that near where I was living at the time. And it was all there was different stuff in there. And there was even you could go in there and get your little communion cups. Yeah, yeah, that was the open book. That's yeah. what that was. That was the open book. That's the one. So, you know, you felt a little bit more ecumenical. Yeah, and they had the liberal stuff as well. Like you couldn't go in there and get Kenneth Hagen books, you know. It was more sort of Marcus Borg and that sort of mainline kind of thing. Yeah, but, I, I mean, how much time did you spend at these? I mean, I, I just spent an insane amount of time. I even remember they used to have these sales and there would be a build-up to this sale and this was generally pre-email so you would get stuff in the mail that said hey next month we're going to have a big sale and it's we're going to open the doors at midnight or 2 a.m or something like that it was always some obscure time and because that's the demon hour 2 a.m yeah it is they can't open at midnight because jesus no he, he wouldn't be big on that he, he wouldn't be big on it needs a needs a nap but it's uh it was interesting like i remember being with mates and lining up at one or two in the morning because it'd be like these half-price Bible commentary sets, which were usually hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and you would save yourself a packet. And we did that for a friend's 21st. He was after some commentaries. I'm sure he'd pray from it, and we were just uh, we were just making his prayers come true. Yeah, he probably claimed it, blabbed it and grabbed it. Well, we were, we were then party to the the grabbing of the blabbing so yeah we did that and i remember it was at the time it was a very nerdy excitement let's 
do a little bit of digging, right? In fact, I've already done so, right? I, in researching this, I had a look at what I could find about these different bookshops. And the first one I want to bring up is the Word Bookstore. And the Word Bookstore is close to our hearts because that's actually the one that's closest or more closely tied to the AOG or to the Australian Christian churches. It was founded in the 1940s as the Gospel Film Ministry Limited by Ray Moulton. And those of you that are in the AOG, you probably know that name quite well. There was a lot of families with that surname. And then in the 1950s, they started distributing music. And then in the 1970s, they established the word retail chain. And so that's really how that came about. And then they, you know, they opened up stores all over Australia and they became um, not just retail, but they're also doing distribution. So they would sell to a lot of those sort of mum and pop sort of stores that, you know, that were running around in, you know, country towns or smaller cities, they would actually distribute to them. And they would probably have the rights to distribute certain books, even to sell on to Kurong, for example, yeah. right? So so they had sort of this two two stages of the business. They had the the wholesaling and then they also had the retail. They they today have, you know, a whole heap of stores still throughout Australia. Yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't go to Word much. I didn't know the whole which belonged to which is probably because I didn't pay enough attention. But for me, Word was around about the same sort of distance from home. And even when I moved closer to a Word store, I still kept going more to Kurong. So it was it was interesting how you chose which one. And I don't know what it was based on. For me, it was just based on what I knew, what I was introduced to first. But were you more of a Word guy? And I was more of a Kurong. I, I just thought Word had more of the sort of the wacky shit and that sort of hardcore penty. Even when I was a hardcore penty, I still considered myself to have a, I don't know, a higher palate in terms of theological texts. And yeah. so I would, you know, I would find what I was looking for more at Kurong, Kurong yeah. books. But let me give a little bit of a background around, around Kurong because um, where they get their name from is the Boots family owned Kurong. For a very long time and they actually used to run it out of a garage in Kurong Road in Sydney ah. mm, in, in a place called uh, Marsfield so they they ran that for the for the longest time and they turned it into what it is and they got into the wholesaling and cut out the middleman for wholesale and started doing their own importing and everything but here's something interesting that I found out in the in the research in around I don't know in, in the you know the 20 teens they sold Kurong to the Bible Society. So now the Bible Society own Kurong. Really? It's no longer a family business, yeah. And, and what's that done? Has it changed the flavour of, of the Bible Society, just kept Kurong um, with the branding that they had? I wouldn't know, Brian, because I was right into porn by then. So, you know, oh, I wasn't good. so much spending time. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. Um, I wasn't so much spending time at those books. So I, I don't know you know, what, what, what it's like. But I would imagine it's very much the same, but they probably, being the Bible Society, pushing their own product, and it's probably a lot more about Bibles than it was before, although I don't know if that's entirely possible because it was pretty much about fucking Bibles when we used to go. Do, do you remember just how many different types of Bibles there were at Kurong? All shapes, sizes, all different versions. Yeah, all different uh, brands. Oh, my God, whole sections of it. It was incredible. It's a business within itself, just the brands of the Bibles. Oh, no doubt. No doubt, mate. But, I mean, as I said, now that the uh, Bible Society own them, and isn't that interesting, though, because Word is still owned by 
the family, as far as I know. I could be wrong, but if someone wants to correct us in the Facebook group. But um, as far as I know, Word is still owned by that family, but Kurong is owned by the Bible Society. So mm -hmm. I would imagine that a lot of the profits that the Bible Society would make from Kurong would be going back into, you know, distributing Bibles and missions and all that kind of stuff. So if you were a, you know, true Bible-believing, blue-blooded Christian, you'd probably be shopping more at Kurong rather than Word because Word is feathering someone's backyard swimming pools and Mercedes Benzes and that kind of thing, whereas Kurong, I mean, I, do, you think, do you think that's out of line to say? I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue where the profits go. I wouldn't know how their books balance or what, what they do with it. I'm, I really don't know. But uh, it would be interesting to to know. I mean, you remember it was even outside of, of Christian bookshops. I mean, it's probably it's just a business. I mean, it's a business for somebody. If it's a family-type business, it's probably just like a business of a Christian plumber or whatever, except that they're peddling the goods of the good Lord. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dissing for a moment that they shouldn't be doing that and making money. I'm just saying if you're going to spend your money, do you want to give it to the Bible Society who will in turn be making more Bibles or do you want it to, to go to the, to the family business? I, I know which one I would have chosen back in the day had I known um, but back when I was buying, it was two families. So it was either give it to the Penty family or give it to the Bapos or Church of Christ or whatever they were. Because the Kurong ones were, like you were saying before, they were a little bit more evangelical and less Pentecostal, weren't they? Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, then when you had bookshops as well, it, generally every church you went to had its own little bookshop. Sometimes it was a book stand with, you know, a few different books and, you know, guest speakers and all that. But some some churches had a decent, like my parents went to a church that had a full-size bookshop in it. It was, it was very big, full range of stuff, and you needn't go to Kurong Word. So some of them became very independent in the way that they did it. And those those bookshops too, they would have been sourced or wholesaled by Kurong and or Word, right? So ultimately, the money does go back to to either of those two um, those two big names. Um, but speaking of the the bookshops in the church, of course, that's where Tape Guy oh. hung out. Remember Tape Guy, the Tape, tape Guy that was um, yeah. up on the pedophilia charges. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh. No, it's not funny. But um, he, you know, he was he was running the bookshops. So bookshops were pretty special places, and they could have some very special people working there. They most certainly could, and and generally all run by volunteers with the bottom line profit going back into the church. Exactly right. So what about the Scripture Union bookshops? Do you remember them? I do. They were, were they uniting sort of? No, no, no. They come out of Scripture Union, which is evangelical, Baptist-y, oh, okay. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't go to that one because that was a fair way. I, I mean, I did go to it on one or two occasions, but it was a lot further away for me, so... I certainly didn't go there um, as a course of habit like I would to Kurong. Mm. How, how about you? Yeah, well, in our city, the Scripture Union had two, and one was sort of inner city and the other one was out in the burbs. In fact, there was probably more. Um, but that was where you'd go. They had some really wacky shit. Like they had some wacky, wacky stuff. I remember going there once and I, you know, found like there was Don Gossett books and there was Kenneth Hagen books and Watchman Nee and all these kinds of, you know, sort of little more freaky characters. And then there was even a book I saw once that was all about the conspiracy theory. It was basically a conspiracy theory book all about vitamins and that vitamins were this big scam. You know, I guess it's kind of like, you know, proto proto vaccine kind of thing but yeah you didn't i didn't see that in kurong you wouldn't have found that book in kurong but you could certainly find it at the scripture union bookshop 
Yeah, I don't think he would have found it in Kurong. Kurong also had sections of like romance, Christian romance novels, and you know that obviously took out the 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 interesting gutter trash bit. And they, I think they had a wider or broader product range that tried to cater for every corner of your life in many ways. So they definitely went for a market of of trying to make sure that they were a one stop shop. This is all you needed to come to. Bucket load of music here for you as well. Um, no need to go anywhere else. It was kind of an echo chamber, wasn't it? Like in terms of yeah. what you needed for Christianity. If you needed a book on sex, they then they did. They had books on sex, right? If yeah. you needed books on pregnancy, they had books on pregnancy. If you needed books on dieting, like that was true of Kurong and Word. I think they they both had those. And I like what um our mate Frank Schaefer who we're going to be interviewing next week, by the way. But Frank Schaefer said that the title of every evangelical book could be How to Keep Your Faith in Spite of dot, 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 insert worldly threat here. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And if you look at the product range, that's what it was. It was it was scare tactics of what was out there and you needed to make sure, here you go, here's a product that can help you face your fears of what's out there and cast it out. Yeah, and Kurong had the more anti-charismatic stuff like I'm not saying they didn't have charismatic stuff they did but they had the anti-charismatic stuff whereas you would never have found that stuff in word so even within the church they sort of had their their sides that they sort of drew on and then the magazines and the books and everything they would have more of one and less of the other depending on you know like you couldn't find I don't think either of them would have had very much sort of Seventh-day Adventist stuff you'd have to get that from I think you know specialist Seventh-day Adventist um, shops, but yeah. you know you could certainly find that sort of James Dobson in both, or um, you know Jerry Falwell stuff in both, or Pat Robertson stuff in both. You could definitely find that, but then you might not find the Kenneth Copeland stuff at Kurong, yeah. but you'd find that at Word. Yeah, that's true. Although I do remember, I can't remember if it's where I got the John Avanzini book that. 30, 60, 100-fold book or whatever. I can't remember if I got that from Kurong or whether I bought it directly from him when he spoke at a Oh, he would have been selling it and making the profit for sure. Yeah, oh, he, he would have been. I, I just I, – I had a bit of a sense that maybe I'd, I either saw it or bought it from Kurong, but maybe I didn't. But when you – you know, you said before about an echo chamber. I mean, they are, absolutely. They reinforce the belief, you know, and, and it's like when Bart spoke to us, you know, you, you – get up on a Sunday and you talk about your beliefs, you go to a home group, talk about beliefs, this bit, you buy the books that reinforces your beliefs. So make sure that you're trapped within that echo chamber. How different is that to communist countries that have their propaganda bookshops to peddle the message of their country, like China? You lived in uh, Asia, which mm. you've spoke about before. Yeah, I, live, I, lived in, I lived in China for seven years, so a very long time. I would only go to the English sections, obviously, of the Chinese bookshops. So, yeah, they do have the government-sponsored um, bookshops. They have a number, you know, there's a number of bookshops in, in China, of course, but they have, a, uh, you know, one in particular that's the big government one. And, and they actually have them here in Australia, believe it or not, they actually do exist yeah, I mean, it was all it was all government sponsored stuff. But you know, you could go there and you could buy you know Chinese classics, and you know, it wasn't just you know Mao's Little Red Book or the writings of Xi Jinping. You could actually buy you know Journey to the West or 
Dream of the Red Mansions or whatever these sort of Chinese classics were. And that's what I was going to buy. But the experience was very similar, Brian, I have to say. You know, when you brought that up to me, I was like, actually, that's exactly what it was like. Because you would go in, there was, you know, all this kind of book was over there, or that kind of book was over here. Um, the You know, the English language section was over here. And then when you'd go into the next one, you know, sort of in another town, it was set up exactly the same and the structure was the same. And it was kind of like blockbuster video for for Chinese Communist Party in the same way these Christian bookshops are blockbuster video for Christians, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, look, that's their business. They're trying to reinforce the Christian message and their Christian bookshop selling Christian products. And so, you know, I get it. I get it. That's what they're doing. They're not going to offer your latest best-selling books from New York Times. I mean, it's it's not going to happen, but uh, it, it definitely is not a varied flavour at these shops, I guess, is what we're trying to get across, that you have a brand of Christianity or a brand of evangelicalism. It's evangelicalism, isn't it, really? It I mean, is. because you're not going to find Jehovah's Witnesses books. You're not going to find Mormon books. You might find some high church Anglican or some high church Catholic, that kind of thing. Uh, probably more at Kurong than you would at Word. Definitely the open book, um, but largely, you know, especially those two big names, Word and Kurong. It's uh, it's it's evangelicalism, and that's and that's what they peddle. Well, you'd always find, you know, that section was it Hank Hanegraaff or something like that. He'd always have those books on how to deal with Mormons, how to deal with Jehovah's Witnesses, how to deal with Seventh Day Adventists. I can't, I think that was his name. Was something like Hank. Yeah, yeah, Hank Hanegraaff was one of them. Yeah, and yeah. Um, there was another one. I can't remember the name of the author, but he was actually Hank Hanegraaff's boss before he died, and oh. um, he wrote a book called The Kingdom of the Cults. And so there were there were sections that were basically, and here's how everybody else is wrong. Section. Yeah. Right? So they would have sort of cults and world religions and so how to argue with a Mormon or how to argue with a Muslim, you know, or, you know, how to how to shut, no, they wouldn't say how to shut down, but you know what I mean. It was that kind of thing. So definitely that was there. Yeah, it was. Do you think, what if you got some standout books, ones that, or, or book series that you, you remember that were ones that really hooked you in? Yeah, well, remembering, I've, I left church in 1999. So, you know, I, I stopped going to those shops then. So I'm certainly coming from, a you know, an 80s and 90s kind of paradigm. But I think um, This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. Do you remember that? So yeah. that was a big deal. I can, I can visualize it now. It was a purple covered book and it was all about spiritual warfare, angels fighting demons and, you know, stopping us from making our podcast and that kind of thing. And oh. it was, you know, it was, it was fiction, but it was fiction that was based on truth. It was based on reality. And so I even had non-Christian friends who had read that book and I would give it to them as a kind of evangelism, you know, yeah. like here, read this because here's what's really going on. You can't see any of it. There's absolutely no evidence for any of it. However, this is what's happening. And it was this, you know, battle between, you know, um, Satan's demons and God's angels. And, and a lot of what we thought about in terms of spiritual warfare, which is going to be an episode this season, by the way, we talk about this, but is it was based on that book and 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 those series of books there was actually a, a follow-on i can't remember what it was but i remember someone saying to me that they went into word or kurong and they said the stack of this present darkness books by frank peretti the stack of the books at kurong was actually higher than the stack of the bibles that's how popular that book was for a while oh, i was huge my mum was absolutely hugely into the Frank Peretti stuff. And I think you're right. It, it was very much around imparting spiritual truths through the fiction 
genre. So it, it drove home a message. I mean, one for me was the Left Behind series. And that did that did come out well before 99. I think it was mid-90s that one came out and went through to mid-noughties. But that one was about the rapture and about being left behind and putting a real sense of fear into people that were left behind after the rapture and what these people would do prior to Christ's second coming and Armageddon, all that. It was really, really, I think it was written by Tim LaHaye and, and Jerry B. Jenkins and it was huge and it made, they made a movie out of it. Um, oh, they made more than one movie, man. They made heaps of movies. They did, but this one movie had Kirk Cameron. Yeah, remember? yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? So another one, yeah, another Left Behind movie I'm sure had Nicolas Cage in it. Oh, really? So two shit actors. Two <laughs> actors. Nicholas Cage isn't a shit actor. He's apparently really bad with, with maintaining his money and his marriages, but I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a shit actor. Oh, he's horrendous. He's like Tom Cruise. Like, he's a one-trick pony. Every single movie he's in, he plays exactly the same character. He's rubbish. How can you say Nicholas Cage is good? I don't, I don't, I don't think he's – I mean, I, I don't think he's great, but coming back to this, see, what they did was they started getting names and they started really trying to make these movies into a big deal. Yeah. The movies were rubbish, like I've got to say. I mean, I'm more of a book person than a movie person anyway because I think my imagination is is something that I like to let run away while I'm reading a book. But when I saw the movies, I thought they were really crap, but I love the books. So you're, you're saying it, it, as far as fear-laden Christian literature, the book is better than the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the reading of it made me more fearful than watching it, and maybe that was Kurt Cameron. Um, he should have stuck to Growing Pains and just left his career there, but he tried to branch out into Left Behind, and he he was he was just rubbish. But the Left Behind series, I mean, it was it really was quite a fear based series. The whole thing, you know, it went to the you know, the fact of decapitation and people dying and getting killed. And it was, you know, it had a, a fair degree of violence in it as well. At the time, though, I mean, I, I'm i not quite sure I got into it from a theological base thinking I'm going to be left behind, I'm screwed. I just, I thought it was a really good fiction series that was reasonable, reasonably well written, but I can't say it, it scared me. Actually, I was on my way out of, of Christianity when I was reading this series, so it did nothing to hook me in and keep me there. I didn't read them. And, you know, even though you said they started coming out in 96 and stuff, I think I was sort of over the end times by then. And, yeah. you know, I, I by mid-90s, I'd stepped out of Pentecostalism and I was more into that sort of, you know, evangelical left kind of scene. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't vibe with it. Have you seen that meme? where it's got a, a picture of a naked bum and an arrow pointing to the left cheek and it says left behind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah, I'm no. pretty sure that was in the Facebook group. I thought that was quite clever, left yeah, behind. I like it. I like it. But, yeah, look, they were, they were books that certainly sucked me right in. But remember also you and I used to go trawling through secondhand bookshops, just your normal ones, your normal secondhand bookshops, the little smelly places that had stacks of books on the floor were falling over. You had to walk sideways to get down the aisles. Which and barely go... exist anymore, by the way, which is a real loss. It is a real loss. Quite often you've got to go to an op shop and have a look at their book section and sometimes you can find stuff in there. But you and I used to find some amazing books. 
Yeah, matter of fact, I found um, Francis Schaeffer's a number of Francis Schaeffer books in in those in those secondhand bookshops, and I even stumbled across you know some sort of anti-Christian stuff. And I used to find like you know Mormon stuff and J Dub stuff, and because you know me, I used to like to collect all these sort of you know fringy, freaky kind of stuff. So yeah, used to find some really really cool stuff in the secondhand bookshops. I used to love doing that. And we really couldn't afford to buy everything that we wanted to buy from Word and Kurong because, you know, as you said, you go on payment plans and shit, which is crazy. I mean, I was in Bible college, you know, barely barely making enough to for ends to meet, and yet I would still spend shitloads of money on books. I don't know how I did it. I, I guess it was the provision of the Lord. But, um, yeah, those, those secondhand bookshops were just wonderful. I, I I think I've only got a few left from that time because, as I've said in another episode before, I gave away all my Christian books pretty much to a, a Church of Christ bookshop and said, "There you go, make some make some people happy and uh, put those on your shelves." And there was hundreds and hundreds of them. But I've kept an old copy of like it's probably fifty, sixty years old of the Apocrypha, and I also have got a copy. I think the Apocrypha is older than fifty years old, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not the latest version. So. And another one was William Booth biography, so the founder of the Salvos. But that one, it's hand-signed, not by William Booth, but by someone, you know, addressing it to someone, Merry Christmas, 1887. And it's... um, it's a very old book. I mean, that book was written in 1870, 1880, so it was one of the first prints of that, and it, it's very special. It's, it's slightly boring, the book, though, I've got to say. I did read it. Well, welcome to Antiques Roadshow with Brian and Troy. <laughs> you can bid on it. I'll put the link in the show notes. So how much do you think this is worth, Brian? How much do you think this book's actually worth? $1.50. That's what I paid for it. But, yeah, they were fun, and, and I felt like I was treasure hunting a bit. And they oh, were totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some got some good things out of those. I was going to say, and it was a healthy way to spend a Saturday. It was indeed. So, what about some other books? What sort of stands out to you? We talked about angels. Excuse me. We talked, yeah, angels and demons. We talked about this present darkness, and we've talked about the Left Behind series. Was there anything else that you can remember that you that you bought that sort of stands out to you? No, I actually can't remember any others that I, I really hooked onto. I mean, I did get, when I was going through that um, very brief period of the um, prosperity, that's the one, that's the word I'm looking for. When I went through that, I did get a couple of those books from there. So they definitely did sell them, but nothing nothing too wacky. But I, I soon sort of put those down. I read them and went, oh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit rubbish. Well, th- there was a couple that I actually remember that when I look back now, I just think, I can't believe they fucking sold this book. And one in particular was called Angels on Assignment. It was written by Charles and Francis Hunter. And in it, there was this guy who they claimed to have met and known, and he gave him his story. His name was Pastor Buck, which is kind of funny because it's like Pastor Buck, right? Pastor Buck. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It was was that guy over there, Pastor Buck. (laughs) And so Pastor Buck claimed that these angels appeared to him on regular intervals like this is true he says right this was not fiction this was not this present darkness this was you know him saying this is and and he would and charles and francis hunter wrote this book where pastor buck would tell about all the messages that the angels gave to him right so very similar to um mary appearing to those those three little kids somewhere in eastern europe or wherever it was and he's he's telling all these stories but the thing about it was it was so much fucking faith movement shit 
that was yeah. coming out of these angels, right? And so, you know, I read that book just going, wow, this is amazing. You know, this guy's actually seeing real angels. And I guess it's sort of like Fiona Newton's story when she heard the um, the possum going, you know. Um, yeah, so it was Satan, but it turned out to be a possum. Um, but I read these books and just thought this is amazing and it really fed my whole Pentecostal sort of vibe, you know, that, that angels are really visiting people and all this zero critical reasoning on my part. I mean, what evidence did we have that this guy had actually had these angels appear to him? I mean, he could have been mentally ill. He could have been a complete con artist. Who knows, right? And and here they are selling this book. And then there's these, you know, bookshops in Australia, Word, Kurong, whatever, selling this book. Has any Is anybody stopping and going, I don't think this is true. I don't think we should be selling this book, right? It's it's obviously made up. And a lot of Christians now would read that book and go, this is bullshit. It's not just being anti-Christian, right? It's just really wacky and weird. And so there was quite a few wacky and weird books. And I, I don't think they should have been selling them. I, I think that really, you know, Christians need to have a little bit more insight and a little bit more sort of critical reasoning and be saying, you know what, this guy probably didn't have these visions and he probably didn't see these angels and we probably shouldn't be buying these books. Yeah, I mean, but this is what happens. Someone gets a bit of credibility in the, the Christian scene and they can write anything because they can just say it's from God. They've had a message from God. They've been led by God. God's given them a vision. And that's how it happens. People get that credibility. They get a following. And really, they can do anything. Have a look at the evangelical movement now, you know, particularly in America with, with Trump. I mean, you can make any truth out of, of anything you want. He's he's their saviour. You, you look at what's happening around the Pentecostal church all around the world. I mean, it's different flavors, different shapes, and it's all based on people's fake credibility, essentially. Yeah, but it's just it just freaks me out to think, you know, that people were giving this to teenagers or young young kids and saying, here, this is truth, and, and not teaching them to to ask questions and go, hold on, you know, this these angels are turning up into this, you know, guy's lounge room and giving him self-help talks and it's just, you know, it's just crap. Another one that I saw was um, A Divine Revelation of Hell by Mary Kay Baxter. And yeah. this was a book where this woman, she went on this vision quest through hell, right? And it made Dante's Inferno look like fucking play school. It was really full on. And she was claiming that she had genuinely had these visions and that she genuinely gone. And so I, I not challenge, I encourage people to look up these two books, right? Angels on Assignment and uh, A Divine Revelation of Hell, um, because they're just wacky. But in it, she was going to, to hell and people were having, you know, hot pokers stuck in them for, for this. And, you know, there was gays and there was lesbians and there was adulterers and there was, you know, people with a different gospel, you know, meaning you had to be, you know, a good evangelical, you can end up here full on. But I remember reading that and at one point reading that she was saying whilst this was happening, she was in an absolute depressed funk, right, yep. through, through this whole time. And it's like I look at it now and go, the woman was obviously mentally unwell, you know, possibly bipolar or something else or psychotic. And people are writing this down and yep. selling the books and, you know, Word and Kurong or whatever are getting craziness, man, just craziness. Oh, and people take them, as we said before, you know, there's uh, 
there's theological and doctrines made out of fiction books, let alone these, where people go, well, this is from God and this is fact and this is how we're going to be, build our theology further through this stuff. So it's it's incredibly dangerous, and but it happens and it continues to happen and this is where we see the wild and wacky uh, Christian church has 4,000 different types and denominations at least. And, and they're right into all the conspiracy theory stuff. And I, I think a lot of that is because in church, and this is not true of every Christian, of course, and it's certainly not true of every brand of Christianity, but the charismaniacs that we came from um, and the Pentecostals, they really tell you, oh, check your brain at the door. You know what I mean? Like just stop thinking about it and just let, you know, let go and let God. Remember that one? Yeah. Let go and let God. Um, and it's like let go and believe shit. Yep. Let go and believe whatever comes out of my mouth. I mean, that that um, Bible college lecture that I've talked about before and we've spoken about the, the one that sort of piqued my interest in, in thinking a little bit differently, he used to always say Pentecostals went to the Flat Rock semin- Seminary. So basically I went out and uh, listened, prayed to God, but wouldn't engage in anything that was intellectual in any way. And it was a similar sort of thing. It was let's build a theology based around these uh, these books, yeah, and they were wacky. Remember Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny yeah, Hinn? I do. I remember it. That was a t- TV show too. Was it really? I mean, that was a big deal. And people said, have you read Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn? And I'm like, no, I haven't. I thought it was, you know, oh, I've got to read. It's like the Da Vinci Code or something. Oh, I've got to read this, you know. Same thing as when I read the Da Vinci Code, by the way. But I read Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Oh, it was just get up in the morning, pray, believe, you know, last page. Here's how you lean in financially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty dropped, much. Dropped, lean in financially. Love it. It's, you said you'd sneak it in there as many times as you could. Exactly right. Exactly right. What about magazines? Because that was another thing we used to get at the Christian bookshops, right? We'd get magazines. Did you yeah, we, get into the any I Christian did. magazine? Yeah, which ones? I used to get the Christian music one. The, CCM? Yeah, Christian contemporary music. Um, and that was always good. It was an interesting read. And it would all, I think it's because it, sort of almost had a crossover into the secular world because you would have some artists in there that were skating that that space within secular and Christianity and you would it would see a gateway of excitement that they're in another world. But also, because I love music so much, for me, that was a huge thing because it gave me a connection back in with music that I'd always loved, but this time with a Christian flavour. So I didn't feel as guilty, particularly after I destroyed all my non-Christian music. So it was a guilt-free trip. It was exciting. It was entertaining. How about you? I used to judge the shit out of CCM magazine. I used to just think so fucking worldly. But I didn't mean worldly in the sense of, you know, the kind of music they were playing, not that sort of I, – I had a sort of slight twist to my worldliness. I was like when I looked at these people, I thought they – and it wasn't all of them, of course. Like I'd read the Rich Mullins article or I'd, you know, read the DC Talk article kind of thing. But most of them I, I judged them as being pursuing fame and pursuing – you know, popularity and that kind of stuff and, you know, being too worldly to reach to, to reach the world kind of thing. And so I, 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 I didn't vibe with CCM, but the one that I vibed with was Christianity Today. Yep. I really liked that magazine, which is ironic because it was very much the antithesis and the opposite of what was going on in the Australian Pentecostal scene. I mean, these Christianity Today, at least from an evangelical perspective, was challenging us to be real and to open our minds to you know other points of view and they would even have no problem reporting the negative stuff that was going on in the church yep and so you know 
those people that have been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which is from Christianity Today, I'm not surprised that they've done that because it was very much what they were doing back in the day. You know, they were, they were, you know, Philip Yancey was a writer for Christianity Today, you know, and, and, and other people like that. And so it was, I wouldn't say it was leftist leaning, but it was certainly more left of center than, you know, the right wing shit that we were hearing through Pentecostalism and, and, and other, and other branches in the church. Yeah, and it still is, from what I understand. They still have, you know, the odd article pops up in my Facebook feed that, um, and sometimes in the group that people have dropped in there. And I know that the editor or the, I think they call him the president of Christianity Today, actually spoke out against Trump and challenged evangelicals in America to say, why the hell are you following this guy? He is not an example of the Christ that you said you follow so what's going on here so he he definitely challenged so i'd assume that the the magazine still takes a a fairly left stance yeah well i had a standing subscription to um christianity today so i would have i would go down to kurong and pick it up whatever day it arrived i'd get a i don't know i don't think i got an email i don't think it was that that early but somehow they would notify me or i'd know i knew the date or whatever so i would rush down and pick up my copy of Christianity Today and then read it cover to cover. It's no wonder, I think, that I was consuming this kind of stuff that I was also on my way out of Pentecostalism because you you can't read Christianity Today, <laughs> really, and, and then, you know, buy into a lot of the shit that's going on in some of these wacky churches. Just as a side note, I'm pretty sure they notified you through prayer. You think so? <laughs> Or a word, or someone would come and say, "Verily, Christianity Day has arrived!" Yay! <laughs> say it, the Lord. Yeah, say it, the Lord, like a scene from um, uh, Monty Python. You know, <laughs> verily, yay! Yes, it's just a flesh wound. The yeah. other one, the other one was on being. Oh, so yeah, that was the... an Australian magazine. Now I'm going to let you in a little secret, and people can sort of dig in and work out who the hell I am. But I used to write for On Being. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, I used to write for their their little tech spot um and for what it's worth the tech spot that i used to write probably shouldn't admit this but a big part of it was because i wanted all the free software (laughs) (laughs) so i actually approached on being and i said how about i do a tech corner right and so i'd start you know doing all these reviews on all this bible software and i would write to the company in the us or the uk wherever and then they would send me the software for free right? And back then it was yep. discs, right? You couldn't just, you'd have to get it in the mail, right? And plug it in and you do, you know, four or five discs, you know, <laughs> um, yep. and then uh, then I'd write these reviews. And I was always positive because they just sent me $100 worth of free software, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I used to write for, for On Being, but that, that was a little bit more sort of leftist leaning as well. And there was a guy by the name of Daniel Batt, who was their editor for a very long time. And he very much had, and I think they came out of Hawthorne Baptist. I think that's actually what On Being came out of. He would sort of write these articles that weren't quite negative, but at the same time were asking the right questions. And I think that's why On Being didn't really make it into our sort of Pentecostal experience initially, because it was just too lefty, pinko, commie, gay loving. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't Pentecostal enough. Yeah, that's right. They questioned. You can't question. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they were still quite narrowly evangelical, and I think Daniel today would would admit that that's what it was like. But um, you know, that went on that went on for a while. I don't think it exists anymore. Okay, I wouldn't have a clue. I'm so far out of the loop that I, I really don't know. Although I feel like I'm getting pulled back into the loop with all this Houston and bloody Hillsong media at the moment. Yeah, very much so. 
Yeah, I, I think since we started doing this podcast, I've sort of seen a lot more of the Pentecostal world again and, you know, becoming a lot more aware. Hey, before we move on from magazines, I do want to say that I subscribe to the Kenneth Copeland magazine mm. once upon a time. Yeah, I used to get it delivered and I actually subscribed my mother to it as well. And it was free, right? You, yeah. you know, because that was that was one of their main ways of raising money was to send you this magazine with all these little envelopes, you know, yeah. inside. You'd stick your money in and send it back. But I can remember... Um, when I went off the faith movement, I tried to cancel the magazine, right? And it, no matter what happened, I couldn't get them to stop. They just refused. And I would write them letters and send them to America saying, I don't want your magazine anymore. And it would still come. And the same for my mum, because my mum was never into it anyway, right? I was, you know, just thinking once upon a time, you know, I'd get her saved or whatever, reading Kenneth Copeland. And it just would not stop coming. It just no matter what I did, and eventually email came and I'm sending them emails and everything, you know how I got them to stop in the end? Which is funny because they ignored every single message that I sent and asked them to stop. I'd imagine you moved. No, you know what I did? I actually opened it up and wrote, return to sender, no longer at this address, and then put it back in the mail and sent it back, and then that was it. When they realised that their potential fundraiser was not living at that address, which wasn't true, by the way, right, they, they stopped sending it. And so that's how you stop getting evangelical mail is you pretend you've moved. Oh, well, I'll, I'll remember that next time I sign up for one. I'm going to sign you up for five. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I am. I'm going to go in. I'm going to sign you up for emails. I know your email address. I, I did that to somebody I worked with who loved loved a joke. So I went and signed them up for just about every junk email that I could. Every, every time I'd find one, I'd put their name in it. And um, they brought it up once in the lunchroom and I was just like, oh, my God, I, yeah, I'm the same. I get all this spam. I wasn't. They were because I signed them up. Yeah. That, that'd be something to really do to people to piss them off, eh, is to sign them up for a whole heap of, you know, like full-on right-wing Christian shit. Oh, it, well, you don't need to sign anyone up in, anymore. You just get shit sent to you anyway. I've lately, text messages, the amount of text messages I get a day saying that you've got... A delivery. A delivery. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, scanners. And, and they uh, misspell shit and stuff and they write with, like, Nigerian spelling. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's really annoying. But, yes, I will remember that. Yeah, indeed. Hey, coming to the end of time right? Meaning that we are in the last days. No, no, we're coming to the end of time of our podcast. I want to have a little bit of a chat with you, if you don't mind, about what's coming up this season. Uh, we have been blessed, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> we have been blessed. I'm going to let go and let God. That's how much I've been blessed. <laughs> it's, you know what I'm going to do, Brian? Can what? you guess? I'm going to lean in financially. <laughs> oh, fuck. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> That's why I gave you pause. I gave you a moment to step in. And you know what I'm going to do again? I'm going to lean in financially. <laughs> I, I'm the Brian. I'm meant to say that. You are. But, uh, you are. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you do a Brian Houston impression? I'd lean in financially. No, actually, I don't know. No, you got to put in a Kiwi accent. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay, church. It's fantastic, and I think we all need to lean in financially. Oh, praise the spirit of God. That's actually really good. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been working on it. I've been working on it because I think wow. that's what we should do. Because because really, Bobby and I, we want you to lean in financially. <laughs> that's you have got a future. Mm. Uh, you you could be the senior global. Pastor one day. I, I want to be the temporary interim senior global pastor for I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist podcast. And you could share that with me 
but only temporarily interimly. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have to lean in financially. I would put it to the board. Mm, good one. The, what yeah. board? Oh, you mean the board we stacked with all our sycophants? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. So, well, when I say board, I mean Facebook group. We'll put it to yeah. Facebook group. Yeah. yeah, put it to Facebook group and see who is the temporary senior indicator, <laughs> LinkedIn, whatever. All right, so, hey, the guests. We have, crazy, crazy. I mean, we have guests that you're just going to go, what the fuck you are. And, and even if you're still in church, you're going to go WTF because we have got some amazing guests. First one we've got next week. Hold on. If they're in church, they're going to go PTL, not oh, WTF. Oh, yeah, right. not WTF. Sorry. Well, no, I think these guests are so good that they're actually going to come out of themselves and go WTF. That's what, what I meant. What the flipping? Yeah, what, what the fuck? Um, Frank Schaefer, son of Francis Schaefer, whose books I found in the secondhand bookshop. Mm. he is amazing so he's on next week and he's going to talk to us all about his new book but also about how he found he helped found the religious right in america and now is in total regret for what he did so that's going to be a fascinating interview fantastic and you know frank friend of the show frank has been lovely like we've, we've been in contact with him quite a bit and i i think we'd be hard pressed to find a guest who has not been more incredibly inviting and generous with their time oh but that said i think everyone we've had on has been lovely in case they're listening <laughs> <laughs> no no but i mean sometimes when we send emails to some people who we've had on it takes a bit to get hold of them we've got to go through publishers we go through here frank Straight up. Just wrote back and said, love the name of your podcast. What top, where do I sign? Exactly. Um, Yanya Lalich, or Yanya yeah. Lalich, she's coming on to talk about cults because we had that, you know, fridge revelation <laughs> at the end of <laughs> last year where we just went, oh, it's probably a cult. Um, it is a cult. But why don't you talk about the next one? Because this one is a real boon. And I can't even believe that we have this person coming on our show because of who he still is and who we are now. Oh, my God. It's bit special, Philip Yancey. So Philip, uh, again, was one of the ones that went, yeah, love to. Um, we wrote to him and he came back to us pretty much straight away. He has written a memoir called Where the Light Fell. And I, the book really touched me, to be honest. Like, it's a really it was great. great. It was great. Yeah, it's good. And if you haven't got it yet, go out and get it. It's a bit of a warts and all memoir. And I, I think it really, it, it lets you understand some of those books that Philip Yancey wrote before, like Disappointment with God, What's So Amazing About Grace. Jesus, I Never Knew. Jesus, I Never Knew. And it's where, you know, he came from that you can see how it shaped his life. But, again, we're, we're really keen. We we said what we wanted to speak to him about. Um, we told him we're not Christians. We told him we're ex-evangelicals, yeah. and he's still coming on. Like, I, I, I don't want to fanboy him or anything, right, but he was a massive influence on me, especially leaving Pentecostalism and going into the more sort of evangelical space. He was he was a big deal. But his book, Where the Light Fell, is a warts and all memoir, as you've said, about growing up fundamentalist. And I, I read it, and I wasn't triggered at all. It was no. such a good book. And I think Christians, non-Christians, people that have never been Christian are going to read this book. And in, in some ways, it's To Kill a Mockingbird. In other ways, it's, you know, One Fly Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's, there's yeah. so much. I mean, this guy has had a story. And you think, yeah. oh, he's just this evangelical author. He's, he's much more than that. And he would probably hate us saying this, but I don't even know why he wears the evangelical label because he's just so honest and just so transparent. Wonderful. Yeah, so look, that's going to be a good conversation and we really do want to dig in deep with him and and find out things like why why are you still a Christian? 
Yeah, well, um, yeah well, at least why you're still an evangelical. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. Who else we got? We've got El Hardy, who's written that book Beyond Belief um, about how Pentecostals are taking over the world or something. And that's yeah. she, she, that book is amazing. Very, yeah. very good, especially if you're new to Pentecostalism or if you don't know much about the history and, and what's going on in the world, you know, because she, she focuses on Brazil, Korea, Nigeria, and the US. Those are the four countries that she really focuses on. And, and Pentecostalism is very different yet very much the same in all those different places. So she's going to be another one that we've got on. Another one we've got, Brian, is Phil Drysdale, who's yep. a deconstruction expert. Yeah. So he's going to come on. He, he's going to be great. So, And if you haven't listened to Phil Drysdale on his podcast, what's it, What's the name of it? Is it like? I think it's called the Phil Drysdale Podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think it's something <laughs> like that. I, I didn't know if it had some special show. like. Not everyone's got a clever name like us. Yeah, that that does that's true. Um, but yeah, he's good. Like I've I've listened to a, a few episodes, and it's pretty chilled sort of listening. It, it's him just sitting back having a bit of a chat, and sometimes you can hear him sip his cup of tea. Uh, it's a it's a bit chilled out. So that's going to be amazing. Another fantastic one. Yeah, is yeah we've got Doctor Daniel Doctor Daryl Ray, excuse me, um, yeah. coming on to talk about religious trauma syndrome he is an expert that religious trauma syndrome conference that's that's happening um very soon he's one of the organizers of that so he's going to come on and tell us all why we're so fucked yeah which will be good which will sort of be a follow-on from the josie mcskimming episode that we had last season um and another perspective and josie's actually speaking at that conference as well actually she's pulled out yeah she had some some um scheduling difficulties and so she's not able to do it anymore Oh, that's a shame. Mm, I was speaking to her on Twitter. Oh, well, yeah. There you go. Mm. Um, yeah, Daryl will be fantastic. Yep. And the last one that mm. I'm really excited about is, you ready for this, all you progressive Christians? Brrr, go for it, Brian. Who is it? It is someone with a great name. Uh, Brian, Hugh, uh, sorry, Brian McLaren. So mm. Brian McLaren. And I know, that's, he- that's progressive Christian royalty, Brian McLaren. Uh, and and again, he was another influential person in me as I, well after I'd left the Pentecostal scene and I was actually right on the edge of going, I'm done. The emerging ch- church stuff with Brian McLaren, super, super interesting. Challenging thoughts for someone who's still very much in the fold, um, but not so challenging for someone who is stepping off and looking for a bit of a safety net, philosophical frameworks, but also frameworks for belief that are fairly guilt-free. He definitely has copped his fair share of criticism of people still well within the fold who don't see him as a Christian at all. Yeah, and and fair enough. I I just read one of his books, and I you know I don't consider myself to be a Christian at all. I don't want to be. Um, and I was reading one of his books, and I, and I loved it. I thought what he had to say was really good. He's definitely at this point now, whether he you know would say this publicly or not. You read the books; it's so clear. You know, there's there's this one mountain and many paths, and one of them can be secular humanism. It's all about for him to become better. You know, he yep. believes in God and God can express it itself through you regardless of what your sort of, you know, faith road is or even lack of faith road. Um, so he's trying to bring everybody together and I think there'll be some conversations in there and talk to him about what, what that's all about. The other thing that we're going to do this year as well is we're going to continue to tell our stories 
yep. um, sharing, you know, those those stories that we told um, up to this point. We'll continue on with those, both your story, Brian, and, and my stories as well. And the other thing we're going to do is occasionally visit sort of those topics where you and I talk, like this episode where we talk about bookshops and those kinds of things. We're going to talk about things like nepotism. We're going to talk about maybe some of the COVID crazies and purity culture and those kinds of things. We may bring guests in for those instead. We don't know. Yeah. but. This, this is the way we're going to mix it up this year. It's going to be a lot more guests and then just sort of sprinklings of our stories and sprinklings of topics. So I think it's going to be a really good season, Brian. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And and I think, you know, one thing that we've both seen happening, you know, the, the first season was, you know, we, we got Anthony Van Brown in and that was awesome getting someone in as a, a guest. The next season certainly built up and there's a few more guests. And now we've got people actually contacting us going, hey, I'd love to be a, a guest on your podcast. We can't always make it happen. We do schedule these a fair bit. Like at the moment, we're we're right up until we're booked up till June. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So there's a lot on. There's a lot going to be happening. We hope you stay with us and you know go on this journey. We are certainly, you know, as you can tell by the guests, we are not coming in from a from a purely atheist perspective or a purely progressive Christian. We've got a good mix of you know people from other religions. I want to actually, Brian, I want to bring in someone from Ikar Synagogue in LA. I'd really like to talk to one of their their rabbis as well. Like I really want to, you know, look at what fundamentalism looks like in other traditions as well and what we can draw from that in our own journey. But it's going to be a big year and I'm really, you know, I'm stoked. I think we've got so much on. So I really hope that um, you'll stay with us as we journey. Keep engaging with us. We've got um, the Facebook group continues to grow. There's a, quite a large number. There's up around 400 people in the Facebook group now. Twitter, Twitter, we were talking about this before we started today. Twitter has just gone nuts, particularly today, um, but a little bit more recently. We're also on Instagram now, and that's a, Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Someone's running our Instagram page. It's not us, um, but they are doing a wonderful job with that, so we're really grateful for that. So if you're on Insta, as thus young people say, if you're on Insta... Yes. Get it, get on it. Um, yeah. and, and don't forget Patreon too if you want to lean in financially. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, no. Um, you know, th- so I think it's, it's going to be a good year. I'm excited about um, this year. I'm excited about the guests we've got. I'm excited about the, the fact that our profile is lifting to a point where we're able to secure these more high-profile pro- high guests as well um, and talk about those contemporary uh, matters oh, that contemporary are, Christian um, issues. Yes, contemporary Christian issues. Because you know, we we do want to stay. We want to look back at the stuff that we've all been through and processed and constructed, reconstructed, deconstructed, whatever. But we also want to have a look at where things are at now and what's the relevance for what's happening. And particularly for those of you who are still wrestling with what it all means and what truth you're making from it as you reconstruct your deconstruction if that's what you're doing so all those things are are really important to us and that we want to stay there as a support we want to stay there for a relevant voice and to engage with everybody yeah and 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 besides that it's a lot of fun well mate i'm going to cue the music um whilst leaning in financially Mm -hmm. (laughs) just one more time oh come on let's lean in financially and and that's it, mate. So I'll see you next week. And we're going to have Frank Schaefer. I almost said Frank yeah. Houston. We're not having him. No, Frank Schaefer. And it's, it's going to be wonderful. We are certain of that because Frank is pretty damn awesome. Look forward to it. All right. See you next week, Brian. Later.